First Peter chapter 2. This is my favorite scripture. You're going to read it. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. You're God's special possession that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his wonderful light. God pulled you out of whatever crazy mess you used to be in. He pulled you out of whatever despair you used to live in. He pulled you out of your terrible sin. And he caused you to be able to declare, not that you're great, but that God is great. He, he put praises into your mouth so you can declare to the world, I can't save me, but somebody else did. Come on, right there in your home, clap and thank God. He called you. He saved you. He redeemed you. He rescued you and out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Anybody thankful that today, by the grace of God, you are where you are? Anybody thankful that today, I used to not be saved? I, what's that old song? I once was lost, but now I'm found. I once was blind, but now I see. I once was dead, but now I'm alive. And I'm alive so that I can what? So I can walk the talk. God didn't do all this rescuing and all this saving so that I can, oh, I like what Paul says. He says, so that I can waste grace. No, I'm not going to let my grace go to waste. I'm going to walk the talk. I'm going to live genuine. I'm going to be authentic. Now, you got to understand the book of the Bible that we're about to study. First Peter is written by Andrew's brother. This man, Peter, is a fisherman. Bass pro, pro sports ball out. This man is a REI fisherman. I'm just picturing the, the fatigues and the poles and the pond and the fishing. Things I've never done before, but I've only seen on TV. He's a fisherman, and he is, if you don't know much about the Bible, he's one of the top three. There was kind of three guys that were close to Jesus. Jesus called Peter. He brought him close to him. He was one of the kind of the top three. He was close to Jesus. He's, he's someone that was called. Jesus says to this guy, I'm going to build my church on you. So he's, he's seen things that Jesus did. He's been declared by God, you're, you're one of my guys. I'm going to build my church on you. And yet, when Jesus goes to the cross, we see Peter make a massive failure. Have you ever made a mistake in your life? Have you ever failed so miserably that you cried your own self to sleep based on your own life decisions? Peter, Peter he, he felt so bad about what he did to God. The Bible says he left church. He went back to his old life. He went back to his old, he went back fishing again. And Jesus rescued him. Anybody thankful today that no matter what you do and no matter where you go, you are not, never too far away from the grace of God. In fact, I always believe this about grace. You can run, but you can't hide. God's grace will find you, not because he's mad at you to wave his finger saying, look what you did, you little jerk. Come on, it's a Home Alone reference. No, he comes to say, I love you. 
In fact, when Jesus reinstates and restores Peter, he asks him three times, Peter, do you love me? And three times Peter says, Jesus, you know that I love you. And he reinstates him and he restores him. So the man that is writing this book has been close to Jesus. He's had success with him. He's had failure with him. He knows the way he loves. He knows the way he serves. He knows what it's about. And he wants to tell us how to walk out our faith. Let me just give you a few of the overview takeaways from this book of the Bible as we study as a community. Watch just a few of the overviews. I'm going to give you five of them. Number one, he's going to teach us how to live godly lives. Peter teaches us to live godly lives even in the midst of trial, suffering, or persecution. He's going to teach us how do you live a godly life when everybody else is ungodly. How do you live a godly life when everybody else thinks what you're doing is crazy? When your godly lifestyle is the minority in your workplace, the minority in your home, or the minority in culture, how do you live a godly life? Peter's going to teach us how to do that. He's another one. He's going to teach us how to have principles over circumstances. So in other words, what he's saying is God's principles do not shift or adjust based upon circumstance. By the way, your circumstance this year is going to be much different than last year. I know that we're like two years into, you know, a pandemic, but there's been highs and lows and ebbs and flows and all kinds of changes because circumstance changes. Principles do not. God's truths don't change. His foundation doesn't change. His character doesn't. So he's going to show us how do we choose God's principles over circumstances. Here's another one, number three. He's going to teach us how to bless. I love this one. Whether you are being loved or cursed, you bless. That's something that's really important in life because if you live from the praises of people, you're going to die by the critical of others. No, no, no. It doesn't matter whether people bless you or curse you, whether they love you or hate you. Our role, no matter what they do, we're choosing love. In fact, that's how people will know that we walk the talk. It will not be because we perform miracles. It will be because we love. So he's showing us that no matter what others do, we bless. We bless even when we're cursed. How about the next one? Number four, we witness. Whether you are being embraced or persecuted, your life is a witness to the hope of salvation in Jesus. So I love that we are all witnesses. That's not a LeBron James line. That's a Bible line. We are all witnesses. So when I go into a cafe, when I go into a restaurant, when I go to pick up my kids at school, when I go to the gym, I am a witness. I'm not representing my last name. I'm representing his name. I'm a witness of grace. I'm a witness of what he pulled me out of. Come on, clap today if you're grateful. I get to be a witness everywhere. So I want to encourage you, be a witness. Be a good witness. Even on the 405, be a witness. Some of you, you lose your witness as soon as you get behind the wheel. Be a witness online. Be a witness in the comment section. Be a witness of grace. Don't be a witness of opinion. Don't be a witness of circumstance. We're a witness of a greater thing. That's Jesus. That's salvation. That's the hope of everlasting life. He's showing us, no, 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 you're not a witness of circumstance. Be a witness for God. 
And then the last one, an overview of the book of First Peter, is that consistency speaks. Consistency in godly living, no matter the circumstance, is the true test of growth. So how do we know that you're going to grow this year? By the way, church, hear me. In the next 21 days of prayer and fasting, as you start to fast and pray, your life's going to grow. But no, no life grows like this. No, no, in life you grow and then you go back and then you have highs and then you have lows. We all go through different circumstances. But the way that we measure growth is consistent living. Consistency tells of a greater story. The way that you grow is not just flash in the pan. It's not just overnight. It's not like I'm good in January, but come February, I'm a different Christian. I'm a different believer. No, I pray this year, 2022, is a year of consistency. I consistently came to church. I consistently tithed. I consistently went to Connect Group. I consistently served in my church. I consistently sowed into my marriage. I consistently read my Bible. I consistently prayed to God. I consistently served my community. Come on, clap today if you're grateful. We measure growth of consistency. So Peter's got some things to say. So as we study the next five chapters of this book, I want you to get excited and I want you to get ready to say, this is going to be my year where I connect the dots. It's not going to be who I am versus who I want to be. No, I'm going to connect those things and I'm going to walk the talk. So we're in chapter one today of first Peter and we're going to study together what he what does he say in the first chapter of this book again I mentioned to you this is Andrew's brother this is Peter this is the one that's called the rock this is the apostle Peter this has very little controversy by the way of wondering who wrote this book everybody knows this is the guy this is one of the top three this is Peter this is the one that's supposed to build the church this is Peter writing to us and watch what he says right from I'm just going to give you five things to increase your faith today out of the first chapter of first Peter here's the first one that he says right out the gate right down number one is that you are set apart first Peter chapter 1 verse 2 you are not forgotten for you have been chosen and destined by the Father God the Holy Spirit has set you apart to God's holy ones obedient followers of Jesus Christ who have been gloriously sprinkled with his blood may God's delightful grace and peace cascade over you many times over what what are you banking on in 2022 what are you making plans for his worst or his best are you planning this year to experience trial and tribulation or have you penciled in his cascading grace is going to overwhelm you time and time again. I'm telling you, you are going to be met this year with God's best. God has plans to prosper you. God has plans to grace you. God has plans to advance you. God has plans to heal you, to restore you, to redeem you, to lead you, to shape you, to change you. He says, I want you to know, no, 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 you're not like everybody else. You have been set apart. You're not a normal person. You're a set-apart person. You have value. Anything that matters to you, it's like, you know, during, the, during Christmas break, I don't know if you had a good Christmas break, but here in Los Angeles, we, we had two trips planned during Christmas break. We're going to drive and get out of town, but the place we're going, it was, had such bad weather, we just decided to stay home. So in our staying home, 
one of our annual traditions, things that we do every Christmas break, is we clean. Whether it's the garage or the kids' rooms, this time we took on my closet. I felt like Eminem. I'm cleaning out my closet. And so we did a mass purge of my closet. I mean, we got rid of shoes and hats and hoodies and t-shirts and jeans that Julie's like, you haven't worn these pants in five years. I'm like, but they're leather. Like, I'm just like, we got to get rid of them. So, so I'm telling you the things that mattered. I'm like, no, you're not getting rid of that lady. Mm-mm. No, no, that's mine. That matters to me. That one's, I still wear those shoes. I still like that hoodie. That sweater's still important to me. No, no, I want to tell you, you're not, you're not common. You're not something to be thrown away. Nothing to something to be put aside. You have been set apart. You're valuable. You're useful. You matter to God. God set you apart. He chose you. You're chosen. You're called. God has purpose for you. He has planned. You're not like everybody. You're not dispensable to God. You're indispensable to God. So the first thing he says, you need to know that you matter. That you have been set apart by the blood of Jesus. The precious blood is what sets you apart. Not your gifting, not your talent, but the fact that God loves you. Here's the second thing that he teaches. Write down number two. is to live with great expectation. Look at 1 Peter uh, chapter 1, verse 3. All praise to God, the God of our Lord Jesus Christ. It is by his great mercy that we have been born again. Because God raised Jesus Christ from the dead, now we live with great expectation. And we have a priceless inheritance, an inheritance that is kept in heaven for you, pure and undefiled, beyond the reach of change and decay. Here's what Peter's teaching you. He is saying that you have such an inheritance in heaven, it is beyond reach and it is beyond decay. And we live with great expectation. Is your expectation about 2022 or is your expectation about the greater place that you'll go? Because the Bible teaches us to live is Christ, but to die is gain. He says you have a greater expectation and that greater expectation is not promotion. It is not having a bigger house or a bigger car or a bigger following. It is not fame or fortune. Your expectation is not even here on this planet. He says your great expectation of your life is an inheritance that cannot be reached and cannot decay. This is the thing that should get most you, get us most excited. Now, I love the word inheritance because we can relate with that in culture. We see inheritance like if someone comes from an affluent family and, and their, their parents pass away or their father passes away, they receive an inheritance. In fact, I was talking to someone recently and in, in their family, the father had passed and had a good amount of money and now they're trying to figure out the estate. This has caused much drama, much backbiting, much bickering, much fighting amongst this family because they're trying to split the inheritance and find out who gets what. And they're trying to work through the will. Now, our inheritance here on earth comes once someone passes away, we receive their inheritance. Biblically speaking, what Peter's teaching you is your inheritance doesn't happen when somebody else dies. Your inheritance happens when you die. When you go to heaven, you will receive an inheritance that is beyond description, that is beyond monetary value. Anybody excited to... Come on, clap, Zoe Church. I feel like getting excited. 
The last thing the Bible says is come quickly. Why? Because, Lord, this world is not my home. I'm not a citizen of this planet. I don't live for this earth. There is no TV show that matters to me. There is no amount of money that matters to me. There is no amount of adventure. There is no amount of hobbies. There is no relationships on this earth. My inheritance, my great expectation, it's about there. So I hope you get your expectations high about what God wants to do in 2022, but measure them short compared to your expectation of heaven. Here's the third thing that he, he teaches us is a genuine faith. Oh, this is my favorite one. It's a genuine faith. First Peter chapter one, six and seven. In all this, you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have held to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. That's Laker fans, the beginning of the season. These have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Oh gosh, I love this because did you hear what he just said? Peter just told us our faith is worth more than gold. Our faith has more value than gold. Let me translate for that. Your faith matters more than any property or any asset you own. Your faith matters more than any stock or any crypto you have. Your faith has more value than any car you drive. Your faith matters more than anything you own. Come on, clap today like you're excited that your faith trumps everything. He's saying, no, no, you need a genuine faith. And the only, the only way we know that your faith is real, the only way we know your faith is genuine is we know it's genuine by when we test it. Oh, I was telling this story uh, last week. I was at Elevation in Charlotte. I was telling the story about being in the swagger wagon with my boys, and we're going through Bible uh, trivia. You know, I'm just trying, to be honest, I'm just trying to see how good Zoe Kids is doing. Let's be honest. And so I was asking my boys about all kinds of Bible stories. One of the ones I didn't tell was I was, I was asking, who in the Bible, and I'll get ready to ask a question, and my boy Mavi in the back, six-year-old, goes, Dad, who's the guy that... God asked to offer his son. And at first I was like, is he talking about Jesus? And then I was like, there's no way. Um, Mavi, are you, are you talking about Abraham? When God asked Abraham to offer Isaac, but then in the end he did, he was like, yeah, Isaac. I was like, fam, I'm about to buy you an ice cream, a donut, and take you to Disneyland. That's the, that's the best thing you've ever said in your life. Are you kidding me? You knew? And I, we, I start talking about this with the other two that are not as biblically literate as him. I said, you realize this is the story about the man. God tested his faith to see how much faith he had. And this man has so much faith. He didn't talk to his parents or his pastors. He went on a word from God. He went to offer that son. Come on, anybody thankful today that God will test your faith? How does he test your faith? He puts you through trial and tribulation. And he, he allows you to go through some suffering to see I don't need to wonder can you worship me on the high but can you worship me in the valley of despair can you worship me in the hospital can you worship me in the 
break up? Can you worship me when you lose your job? Can you worship me when you're not going the way that you think life should be going? Can you worship me? Come on, anybody thankful today that as our faith gets tested, it's going to be found better than gold. Clap, Zoe Church. Come on, put it in the comments today. I'm having faith no matter what my circumstance. Oh, I'm telling you this year, don't let your circumstance determine your faith. Let your faith determine your circumstance. I'm telling you, you're going to go through things. There are going to be hardships. It's going to be trials. It's going to be air. I'm telling you, that, that when we go to heaven, oh, we're going to walk streets of gold. It'll be perfect. We'll sit at the banqueting table. There'll be no more tears, no more sorrow, no more sickness, no more. But on this earth, woo, there are hard days. And God says, I actually allow some of that stuff like I did with Job. I allow you to be tested to see, do you put more stock into your faith than you do your situation? That I, I can tell, whoo, I know you're real because you've been through hell and back and you still worship God. I know you're real because even when you were sick, your hands were lifted high. I know that you're real because when you got cancer, you still were in church. I know you're real because when you lost everything, you still weren't. Come on, clap and give God praise. We're going to walk the talk. We're going to praise our God. Come on, Zoe Church. Get some faith today. Oh, no, if you've been putting more inventory on your career, put it in your faith. I don't know if you cared more about relationships, put it in your faith. I don't care if you cared about popularity, put it into your faith. Your faith is worth more than gold. And the world says if you've got gold, who cares about your faith? If you've got status, your faith is secondary. I'll tell you, all of that works until you get punched in the mouth. All of that works until you lose everything. And then all of a sudden, all that matters is faith. Don't wait until the day of sorrow. Don't wait until the day of pain. Don't wait until the hospital bed. Even when you're going through life right now, put your faith in God. I told you that was my favorite one. Did I not tell you that one? It's my favorite one. Two more, two more. How about this one? Put, put the next one. Keep believing. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 8, you never saw him, yet you love him. You still don't see him, yet you trust him. With laughter and singing, because you kept on believing, you'll get what you're looking forward to, total salvation. I love that because you can't see God. You can't, you can't see where he's at. But the fact that you can't see him and you still trust in him, because you live and you keep believing, you will get what you're going for, total salvation. You'll get what you're going for, and that is the hope of everlasting. Do you see how Peter's theme here is saying, don't get your eyes on this world. Don't get your eyes on earth. Don't get your eyes on earthly things. No, keep believing. I just want to encourage you. Maybe last year you had great faith. Let this year be a, a year of greater faith. Keep believing. Keep believing for your family. Keep believing for your future. Keep believing for Zoe. Keep believing for Los Angeles. Come on, clap today. Keep believing for, for America. Keep believing. You're going to get what you're going for. We don't go by what we see. We don't go by what we feel. We don't go by what we hear. The just shall live by faith. 
So faith people, don't go, listen, if you go by what you see, you're going to get messed with every single week. If you go by what you hear, you're going to get all fearful. If you go by what you feel, oh, Jesus, help me. If you go by your feelings, no, 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 no. Feelings come and feelings go. You ever notice how one way you felt one thing and the next day you felt another? Yeah, because feelings change. But the thing that doesn't change is faith. Faith says, I can't see it. I can't feel it. I can't even hear it. But I, come on, I feel faith in our church. Get faith. Keep believing, keep believing. Oh, if I could sing, I could sing, don't stop believing. I'd hit the notes and feel so 1980s rock right there. It was a small town girl. Anyways, so I can't. But keep believing. Drew, come back and play the keys for me. Just, just write down this next one is mysteries revealed. Here's the next thing that he says in 1 Peter is that for our church, I'm believing that this year you will see the mysteries revealed in your life. Watch what Peter says about the mysteries of heaven being revealed to God's people. This salvation was the focus of the prophets who prophesied of this outpouring of grace that was destined for you. They made a careful search and investigation of the meaning of their God-given prophecies. And as they probed into the mysteries of who would fulfill them and the time period when it would all take place, the spirit of the anointed one was in them and was pointing prophetically to the sufferings that Christ was destined to suffer and the glories that would be released afterward. God revealed to the prophets that their ministry was not for their own benefit, but for yours. And now you have heard these things from the evangelists who preached the gospel to you through the power of the Holy Spirit, the gospel containing wonderful mysteries that even the angels long to get a glimpse of. In other words, as we read 1 Peter, it reminds us in the New Testament that Jesus is not limited to being here, but he's chock full in the Old Testament. And the mysteries are being revealed to us. Oh, I see him in every book of the Bible. Oh, I see Jesus. They were prophesying of the Messiah. And our Savior has come. Our Savior is here. It's amazing to me. My son, the other day, he was asking me, my eight-year-old, my Winston, he was saying, Dad, how come we don't celebrate the Jewish holidays? How come at my school we take days off? And he, I was trying to explain to him, you know, the, the Jewish people are still waiting for their Savior. They're still waiting for a Messiah to come. We believe that our Messiah has come. We believe that our Savior has come. And so we celebrate the mysteries revealed. We can see the suffering that the, pro the prophets foretold of. We can see that Jesus came and he fulfilled every single word. He fulfilled every single prophecy. We don't have to wait for another Savior, for our Messiah. Christ alone has come. He died on the cross for our sins. He rose from the grave. And right now he is seated at the right hand of the Father. And he is praying for you. And he is praying that you will walk the talk. These mysteries being revealed. Oh, wow. I can see he fulfilled, he fulfilled what Habakkuk said. He fulfilled what Micah said. He fulfilled all the law. Oh, 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 Jonah was just a foreshadow. Oh, I can see him all the way back to Genesis with Joseph. I can see him all through the scriptures. He is the chosen one. I pray that as you read the New Testament and study this book of the Bible, that the mysteries of God will be revealed to you. 
The mysteries of the Old Testament will come to life and you will see that prophetically our Messiah fulfilled everything that the prophets foretold. The last thing that Peter teaches us in this chapter is probably one of the best things that God will say to us this year. He says at the end of this chapter, 1 Peter chapter 1, he says, be holy because I'm holy. He is echoing at the end of chapter 1 what he said in the beginning in verse 2. In verse 2, he said, be set apart. But the language towards the end of the chapter gets more significant. He says, be holy because God is holy. Now, what does it mean to be holy? Holy, by definition, is set apart. God says, because I am set apart. See, the first thing you need to know about our God is our God is not like any other God. There is no God like our God. Who is like the Lord our God? There is no God like our God. No other God hung the stars and the moon. No other God created all of creation. No other God created light and darkness. No other God created all the animals and creatures and man. And No other God holds the whole world in his hands today. No other God. There is no God like our God. He is set apart from all gods. All other gods are common. All other gods exist. But our God is set apart. God is saying, because I'm holy, you're holy. Because I am like nobody else, you live like nobody else. And I want you to walk this talk. I don't want you to talk like you're a Christian. I want you to live like you're a Christian. I don't want you to talk like you know the Bible. I want you to live like you read the Bible. I don't want you to talk a big game. I want you to live even greater with generosity and compassion and mercy and love. I want people to say, I'm, what would your world look like? What would your house look like? What would your city look like? What would your business look like if you started to be holy? Holiness is not legalism, by the way. Holiness is not saying, you know, I don't watch these things and listen to these things and, and partake in these things because I'm a Christian. No, no, no. It's, it's, it's the spirit of holiness. It's saying because God is set apart, I don't want to indulge and I don't want to talk and I don't want to live like everybody else because I know I've been, I know God pulled me out. I know God set me apart. I'm a chosen generation. I'm a royal priesthood. I'm a marvelous light. And because I am that, help me, God, to live that that nobody will care what you've been pulled out of until you walk the talk nobody will think that your faith is real until you walk the talk the world is craving real christians the world is craving some people that wouldn't just believe in god but say i don't use my faith to weaponize it for political gain i don't use my faith to blab it and glab it so i can get blessed no i use my faith to serve i use my faith to be real i use my faith to love i use my faith to be generous come on clap today if you're thankful I'm going to walk my talk. The world is sick of Christians that talk a big game. Talk is cheap. But the Bible is teaching us today, in summary, actions speak louder than words. James, a friend of Peter, is the one that says, you, 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 you got faith, man, be a big whoop. faith without deeds if you just talk it but you don't walk it it means nothing you know um, 
the greatest thing that you'll ever do in your lifetime is become a genuine person. Humility and authenticity and vulnerability. These are the things that will cause you to be the real person that God has caused you to become. And I pray that in all your pursuit, you don't just get real with you, but you get real with God and you get real with others. And you say, I know that life, it's not going to be all hearts and flowers, but no matter what comes my way, I will walk the talk. Father, I pray over our church. I pray over Zoe people. I pray that we will become real Christians. We'll still believe. We'll live set apart. We'll have genuine faith. We'll see the mysteries revealed. And we'll live holy because you're holy. Help us, God, in all of our hypocrisy. Help us in all of our duplistic tendencies. Help us, God, where we have tried to use Christianity to get blessed but not live a righteous lifestyle. We hear you saying that we're set apart. And we want to live for that inheritance in heaven. An inheritance that is bigger than anything that we could ever imagine. Help us to be focused on that more than gain on earth. We thank you, Jesus. May Zoe people be genuine. May they be humble. May they be content. Thank you that as you test our faith, it will be proven to you as worth more than gold to us. That we'll be found with our hands lifted and our voice raised and our life surrendered. Thank you for every person that's making a decision from the onset of this year to choose Jesus. We choose you, Jesus, because you first chose us. You first loved us. We call on your name because you first called on our name. We receive your love. We receive your grace. We receive who you are. Right there. In your